Thanks to the Lord once again. I don't know if we um, capture completely the significance of our worship, our gathering and our worship, what that means in heaven. I, I'm not sure that we, we always keep that before us because when we worship, when we gather together and we worship and we give praise to God, it facilitates the will of God coming among us and manifesting on the earth. Think about this. All over the world, those pockets, whether it's a small group meeting, whether it's a family meeting, whether it's a cathedral, whether it's, it's 10,000 plus, or whether it's 100 people, wherever worship is going up, heaven, heaven responds. Wherever worship happens, his kingdom begins to manifest. And I want you just to give God, again, praise out of your heart. Those of you joining us online, just worship him. It is amazing. And I want to say this as we worship. If you give God what's called a sacrifice of worship, he will always send fire and receive that sacrifice. Wherever you give him your heart in adoration and praise, he always responds with the fire, with the presence of heaven. Come on, raise your voice to the Lord and give him praise. And those of you that have a language of prayer, praise him today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we declare you have won the victory for us. And that's why we declare hallelujah. Because what you will to happen among us shall happen because we agree and we say yes. Thank you, Father. Every fear is gone. Every poverty is gone. Every sickness has to move out of the way. Every relationship has to be healed in your presence. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. I want you to clap your hands like, like you just won the lottery. I want you to praise him like you just got your inheritance. I want you to bless his name like everything is paid. Bless the name of the Lord. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated today. I'm going to do something a little different today. I have been laboring with something that is, um, I believe, on the heart of God and so important for the church. And um, actually, I've been searching for words to express what I believe God would say to his church in this hour. Yeah, it's a, it's a brand new year. And if you'll just stay there for a bit, would you? I appreciate it. Um, God has shifted the atmosphere in our nation, in our state, the place where you work, in your home. God has shifted the atmosphere. And he wants you to cooperate with that. He wants us to go with that. I'm going, to, I'm going to share something with you today that's a, a bit different. And I, I'm, I realize that we are at the first of the year and we're going to be preparing for one of the most significant times of the year, our first fruits. But I want to preface all of that with something that I, I've, I've, been, I've been needing to say. And I'm going, to, I'm going to work with this out of the book of Malachi. Can you believe it? As one, one Italian friend of mine said, the book of Malachi. 
And and uh, would you would you find the book of Malachi? The book of Malachi. It's a really important book. It's the last word of God to the earth to His people for several hundred years before the New Testament is written. It's a it's an incredible book, and I I need to give you I need to do some brief teaching, and I I, I encourage you to take a few notes because these notes that I'm going to give you will help you in hearing the voice of God and understanding the word of God as we go forward in this year. From the book of Malachi, I, I'm going to start with this one scripture because I believe this is absolutely what God is doing. It says this, Malachi chapter 1 verse 11. If you'll find that and if you can put that up for me, and thank you so much or those of you that are back there we appreciate all those who work in multimedia they they've been working up double and triple time some of you don't know that clap your hands for them um, since we have adjusted our services and taping they really really go after it and I'm so grateful for you we didn't know we didn't know how important you were going to be how important you really are Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 this is what the word this is the, this is a verse I want us to, to we're going to work with this for a little bit and and even some more and I'm going to need you to put on your student hat put on your learning cap put on your revelation understanding and ask the Lord Lord I need to see what I've not seen before and I need to be able to do what I've not done before but revelation uh, revelation is when God the word really means to pull back the drapes so you can see Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 for from the rising of the sun even to its setting or even to its going down my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same to the setting of the sun my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure my name will be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts I want to say this to you that there's nothing more important to heaven than the nations we are individually important there's no doubt but God's aim is the nations I'll mention this as we go forward today because it is his concern and I want you to I want you to make it your concern in fact I want to give you a promotion today I have confidence that if you hear what we say today and you hear the word of the Lord it will immediately give you a promotion and it will immediately impact your increase and your I'm going to use the word your wealth Immediately, how many of you want to? How many of you want a promotion today? You, I mean, you, I mean, you really, you, you would, you would really like a promotion. If you would raise your hand, you know, I don't know if you that don't look like you really like one, but uh, wave in the air. If you say, Lord, I want this, I want this promotion. And you're gonna have to listen to get it. But if you get it, you're gonna get it. Are you there, saints? Look up from the book from, for a second. Check this out. One of the one of the challenges we have with the with with the scripture is many of the believers love the New Testament and don't like the Old Testament. One, one of the problems is because when you read the Old Testament, sometimes you don't understand. I mean, it's like, oh my God, 
fire and brimstone. And when you, you know, you're reading and all of a sudden the earth opens up and swallows. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, it's graphic. And a lot of times believers feel more comfortable reading the New Testament. I mean, they might read the Psalm, but even when you read the Psalm, you get a little violent. It gets violent, right? David says, rip their heads off. David says, break their teeth out of their jaw. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. The Old Testament is like in your face. I'm going to give you something that will help you understand. And God needs to help us to be able to understand that both of them are his word. And one without the other is not a complete. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, you want to, what you want to do is understand that it's, you need understanding, I like to say, you need, you need prophetic understanding in order for the Old Testament to make sense to you. The book Malachi specifically is a book of correction and promises. We're going to hang with this book for a little bit. It's a book of correction and promises. And you need to understand that when God wants to bring correction, it's so that he can do everything he wants to do. One of the great things in your life is to be corrected. In fact, Proverbs said, if, if you don't respond to correction, in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says you are stupid. Wow, wow. And, uh, and, 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 and God has to correct his people because he wants them to, first of all, understand something. His very beginning of this book tells them where my focus is. He's writing this to the people of God, but he said, you know, he, he looks at the whole scope of all the world and the whole creation. And he says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place that worship goes on, incense, in every place that worship is happening, or in, in every place that incense is, is offered in my name, by the way, your prayers and your singing are like incense to God. When you pray and when you sing, when you worship, it's like burning incense unto the Lord. And he either accepts it or he does not. When you pray, when you sing, and even, I know, I know this, even when you give, it is like an offering unto the Lord. You know in the Old Testament, the Lord would do this, but they would have to bring their burnt offerings. They had to offer something alive, something that cost them something. And they, they brought it and they burnt it on the, on the altar unto the Lord and the smoke went up and if it was accepted, the smoke kept going up. But if it wasn't, <coughs> the smoke was in your face. This is what we get even with, even with the first two sons. This is what we get with them, Cain and Abel. And, and God is saying something to Israel here that's extremely important. He said, my name, and I want you to get a hold of this today, my name will be great among the nations and in every place where incense is offered and grain offering is pure, interesting phrase, where the grain offering is pure. He's not, talk, he's not only talking about the grain itself, but the, the way in which it's given. When it's pure, my name will be great among the nations. Wherever there is worship and wherever there is pure offering, my name will be great. I will show how great I am wherever offering is given. Wherever praise is given. It makes me want to ask you a question, how much of that is going on in your house? Makes me want to ask the question, how much praise is coming out of your lips? How much worship comes forth from you? Or is this the only place? Is this the only time that you worship? 
When God says my name will be great, that alone ought to get you excited because if God's name is great, everything else is subdued to that name. Everything bows to that name. Everything obeys that name. Everything that is not like that name has to go. When his name is made great, his presence is great. And when his presence is great, his will is done and his kingdom comes. And God is speaking to Israel, giving them correction. Say correction. correction. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. That's prophetic language, it really is. But we need to understand it. Because it's really meaningful. Um, the, the Lord wants to tie together for you this morning this Old and New Testament Picture. In fact, I want to give you this right quick. Um, when, when the New Testament is written, um, well, let me, let me do it this way. When the early church sat and when Jesus rose from the dead, Lord, have mercy. You, can you understand what kind of commotion that would have made when this popular person, Everybody knew about this name. Either it was in infamy or it was famous. And by the time the crucifixion happens, everybody, everybody knows who Jesus is. His name is, is, is talked about high or low, from left to right, up and down. Everybody knows that name. When he's crucified, it's like a, it's scandalous. And when, they, when they finish crucifying him, maligning him, defaming him, Lord, disrespecting him, torturing him, and, and, then, and, then, and then cheering about it, laughing about it. At, at the cross, you see this going on, that, that you know, the soldiers are laughing at him, king of the Jews. Yeah, right, king, look, take this king out. With his thorns pressed down in his scalp, two, three inch, two, three inch long thorns pressed down in his scalp, blood running down, no, no place on his body that probably wasn't bloody because I already beat him all night, let alone the cat of nine tails that rips his flesh open. And he said, it's a, it's a bloody mass. Hey, it's a shame. They've stripped him of his clothes. They've revealed him. And, and, and it's, it's, it's the worst kind of way that you could die in that day. Some of us don't, don't understand that crucifixion was perfected by the nations. They wanted to keep a man alive as long as they possibly could and help him suffer as long and hard as he could without dying. It was meant to be torturous, treacherous. And so his name was defamed and everybody was screaming and hollering, yes! And all that hated him, were like, they were like, they, they were so happy. Those that disdained him, they mocked him, the Bible says. They jeered him. And soldiers that were near him, right there in front of him, who saw him and heard his words as he hung there, and he hung there, where's my son? He, he, he hung there without a mask. Amen. <laughs> and, and they heard him say, Father, forgive them. I don't know where he got the strength to even talk. He already been suffering for two or three days. And his feet are, are crossed over, and the only thing holding him up is that little block, and the nails went down in both of his feet and his hands. So, in order for him to breathe, let him stretch so wide until the only way you can breathe on the cross, you got to inflict pain on yourself and push up with your knees and pull down with your arms in order to get air into your lungs. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the Bible says, into your hands, into your hands, he says, do I commend my spirit? 
And he, says, and he gave up the ghost and he died. So by that time, everybody's like, everyone's, it, their hope is crushed. All those three years they'd worked with him to, they, they believed that he would bring about a better rule, a better government, a greater freedom, a release from tyranny, a nation that was not full of lies, a nation that delivered them from a nation full of ungodly leaders. The people following Jesus, that's, that was their hope. That was their faith. By the time he dies, they are they're looking at him, his mother, his disciples, and they're thinking it is over. Tap your neighbor and say, but it ain't over till it's over. <laughs> Tap somebody else and say, it might really be looking bad. Look, tap and say, it might be looking real bad. It might be the 12th hour. <laughs> and yet, while demons are shouting, they partying. Hey, hey, then they, they partying. Religious people are saying, we finally got rid of him. We can get back to business as usual. Lord, help me today. And the disciples, they don't know, you know, they don't know what to do because they're thinking, we heard him, we heard what he said, but we're looking at dead. You know what dead is? If anybody ever viewed somebody dead up close, you know dead is dead. But Lord have mercy, by the, t the second day, it, they're, in, they're despondent. Ain't nobody talking. They, they've all gone back to business as usual. I mean, they, they like, and that's what I want to speak to you about. You can't talk to you. You cannot go back to business as usual after today. You cannot go back to coronavirus. You can't go back. You cannot go back to isolation. You cannot go back to, the, to, to, to um, I'm so afraid, oh my God. You can't go back. Tell you that, say, you cannot go back there. It was so bad until nobody wanted to even talk about it. But on that third day, on that third day, mercy, Jesus, on that third day, can you imagine I mean, if you were one of the soldiers standing around the tomb, and you know, you're the baddest army in the world. You, you know, you, you got the latest technology in the world. You have perfected the art of killing and killing together. Now you hear me what I'm saying? And they, and they got their troops, they all lined up. And when that stone... When that angel, when that one angel from heaven came down, help me, bro, help me. I can't get, I can't get no music or nothing. When, when that one, when, when that one, Jerrell, where are you, man? When, you know, when that one, when that one angel, that when he descends, when he descends and he flicks that stone, this, Lord have mercy, Jesus. It is said the light, the light was so bright. It, it would blind you. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm eating up my time. Hey, bro, what's up? <laughs> I ain't even give you what I'm gonna give you yet. When, 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 when he is in the grave, we we are we get a glimpse of what is happening to Jesus from the prophets of when he, was in, when he was in the grave, just a glimpse of that. But we do know that, that when he descended to the lower parts, having had no sin, having been completely righteous, they had no claim on him. They could not hold him. It was a legal issue. There was no sin. The only sin he identified with is yours and mine. 
There was none of his own. And therefore, Satan could not hold him and death could not hold him. So what looked absolutely hopeless was just the beginning of what God was going to do. By the time he raises from the dead, you know, people had to go, no, he didn't, no, he didn't. Oh, 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 I'm good, baby. I'm good. I'm good. I'm risen. <laughs> I wanted you to get this because most of us don't get it. The New Testament church, it was, it was, I can't say that, not in this crowd. It, it was so spectacular that, that people would go, no, no. No, I ain't going to believe it. I ain't going to believe it till I can put my hands in his wound. If I can, I believe it if I put my hands in his side, in his wounds, then I believe it. So they all in the room and Jesus shows up. He was like, beam me down, Scotty. And he shows up and they're like, oh, <laughs> I wish I could have seen your face if the Lord would have done that to y'all. I, I wish I could have seen your face. And, and, and Thomas Thomas, he's like, oh, and Jesus, come here, Thomas. And it's so practical the way he says it. Come here, here, put your hands in here. Stick your hands in my wounds. They don't hurt. Stick your hand here. Stick your hands in my side. It don't hurt. And Thomas, he's on his knees. Oh my God, my Lord, my God. Oh. And he's thinking, I'm so stupid. You told us, but but you actually did it. So what, what, you, what you're looking at when you read the New Testament, all they have is the Old Testament scriptures. They don't even have, they don't have the letters yet. It took a few decades for them to get the letters. There's nothing but the Old Testament. So when they worshiped, I'm talking about the early church right after Jesus' resurrection, they had to go back to the Psalms. They had to go back to what David had written. They had to go back to, to, uh, to prose, poetry, scripture, psalm, proverb. They had to go back to those. To, that's what they would worship with. And when you get, and, and, and they, didn't, they were still trying to do what we did. They were trying to interpret what did the prophets mean what did the prophets mean? Oh my God, that's what they meant? Oh my God. And they started finding Jesus in the, proph in the prophecies. Okay, so, all right, check this out. We're going to get it done. We're going to get the first part done anyway. Tiff, I know, I, I know. So I got to give you three rules. I got to give you three rules right now. Three rules to write down because it's important for you to understand as we read together uh, these coming weeks and even this year you need to understand this about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament we have some parts of the Old Testament that come to the cross and they end. They stop. Some parts of the Old Testament come, they make it to the cross they make it, to, uh, excuse me, they make it through the cross but when they come through the cross they get changed. And number three, we got some parts of the Old Testament that made it through the cross completely unchanged. And you want, you want to have discernment and wisdom when you read the scripture to understand this. It's going to change the way you read the Old Testament. Let me give an example. The, the parts of, of the Old Testament that come and stop with the cross, let me give you one example. Animal sacrifice, it stops. You don't have to go back and get that rabbit at the home, at your home, and bring it and, and, and put it on the burnt offering. You don't have to get your hamster. You ain't got to get your dog and come and put it on the, you, okay. All that has ended, right? You, if you're a farmer, you don't have to bring your sheep, cow, goats. None, you don't have to do that anymore. Because, why? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who was sacrificed once and for all, for all the sins of the world. Therefore, the animal sacrifice cannot be compared. You don't believe it? Read Hebrews. You, animal sacrifice cannot 
take the place and nothing else you offer for your sin can take the place of your sin. Not even your good acts. Your good acts will not, cannot pay for what you did. You cannot pay. Your good deeds can't pay for what he suffered. So don't bring them to God thinking this is going to get me right. Look at your neighbor and say, you need, you, need, you need to cut that out. You need to stop that today. You can't give your way out of sin. Are you breathing? Because God doesn't accept that sacrifice. It's a different kind of sacrifice he accepts now. But even the one that he does accept from you, we'll talk, I'll talk about it. Even that sacrifice that he does accept for you, the only reason why he accepts it is because it represents the same attitude and the same heart of the Son of God who paid the price for you. Some things come to the cross and they stop. So don't let anybody trip you out about, well, you know, y'all ain't doing no sacrifices because, you know, y'all ain't the real thing. You know, y'all ain't even. Don't let the Hebrew nation or whatever it's called, don't let them, don't let them pull you back into the OT in a negative way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some things come through the cross, but when they come through the cross, they are transformed. You still there? Have I got 15 minutes? I think I do. What time is it? Oh, good. 10 what? Okay, good, good, good. All right, some things come through the cross, but when you make it through the cross, they are transformed. Let me, let me give you one. Like it's, it's the, one of them is the year of Jubilee. See, the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament was every 50 years, all bets are off. All slaves go home. All workers go back to their families. All debts are canceled. Excuse me, are you breathing here? It means if you owed money, you know, and, and you know, they can only hold that debt for 50 years. Hello? And if you are indentured, and that, that is if you owed a debt and you had to go into service for that debt, that, that when they said service to debt, they mean you had to go work for somebody. And, and your money, you know, they would take care of you, but your, your, the, the income would be paying down your debt. Are you all breathing? That's a different kind of slavery. By the way, that was still practiced in the the New Testament times when the, when the New Testament was written. Some things come through the cross, but they are changed. Well, the year of Jubilee changed from every 50 years to every day. <laughs> because Jesus said, when I come, I'm, I'm representing the acceptable year of the Lord. That's referring to the year of Jubilee. In other words, if, if you will believe in me, I will take care of your debt. If you'll believe in me, I will get all your bills paid. If you'll obey me, everything held against you will be dropped. If you believe in me, all, everybody goes home. All families come back together again. All slaves, bye-bye, if you believe in me. Because what the cross did, it bought the acceptable day of the Lord. Every day of your life, God has issued you freedom for everybody who obeys him. Now the year of Jubilee is not every 50 years. For us, it's every day. Look at your neighbor said, it's supercharged, it's every day. And if you're, not, if you're not taking advantage of that, that's not his fault. The third thing, the third thing in our understanding of the Old Testament some parts of the Old Testament made it through the cross completely unchanged. The example I want to give you here is, is actually Amos 9 and Acts 15. It is worship. 
What God did, he gave David a glimpse of what he wanted worship to be. And David instituted that worship in the tabernacle. In fact, it was 24-hour worship. He, had, he, he got people that in shifts, the Levites, he put them in shifts. And they would, when one shift would stop, another shift would come on. And they would be continually offering praise and thanksgiving and praise and thanksgiving in the temple of God. And God would manifest himself and the blessing would come upon the nation. David, he understood it. And David, in fact, when you get to, when you get to uh, uh, the Acts 15, 15 and 18, he's, they are actually prophesying about God restoring the temple worship of David. It doesn't mean the very house. It means, it means that the people of God would be continually and, and, and constantly giving praise to his name. And that's where we get to Malachi. When, when the Lord says to Malachi, y'all have forgotten what I'm going to do. He said, what, what, wherever, wherever giving is and wherever, wherever a perfect offering is given, wherever incense comes, my name will be great. It is the will of God that in every local gathering to his name, be it a house or be it a, 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 a cathedral or a place of worship, wherever his name is worshiped, wherever giving takes place. Let's read it again. It's Malachi chapter, come on, chapter one, from the, from the rising of the sun. Say from the rising of the sun. This is what David did from the rising of the sun to the what? To the going down, to the setting of the same. His name will be great. And check this out. Underline this. His name will be great among the nations. So I'm going to say this to you because I don't have much time left. The purpose of God blessing your life is so the nations can know who he is. Look at your neighbors that God wants to bless you and make you an advertisement to the nations. Now, you didn't understand what I just said. I'm going to say it one more time. I said the purpose of God is to bless you so much until when you confront the other nations, they want to know who's your God. Let's try it again. God wants to bless his people so much until the nations are jealous and they say, well, how, do, how are you doing this? Who is your God? I felt that. I'm, no, 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 you understand. I felt that resistance. Just a little, just a little, just a little quieter. I want their brains, I want this to sink in. Have you ever thought about, have you ever asked the question, why do, you keep, why do we keep coming together? Why do we keep worshiping? You know, coronavirus has helped us to reevaluate everything we're doing. Some of y'all say, well, you know, I'm doing just good. I got my PJs on. I got my, I got my, my cup of coffee or whatever, whatever's in your cup. You know, the, you know, y'all believe the commercial. The best time of waking up is folders in your cup. And... And, and, and you, you know, you, you know, you, you, and then if you really want to be great, have folders in your cup and then, you know, turn on your little, your little, your little iPhone or your little computer and you see people, you know, where you get a little word, you know, have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why, have you ever asked the question, why do we keep gathering? Why do we keep doing this? So I, I believe this is one of this is a this is a great answer. And by the time I'm done with these in the next two or three times, I think you're gonna get it. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name, look at your neighbor and say his name, his name. His name will be great among the nations. In every place incense is going both every place incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great 
among the nations. You know, saints, I think we've not understood the importance of our not only coming together, but our worship unto God and what that does in the atmosphere, what that does for the region, what that does for the city, what that does for you. We keep coming together. We keep offering. We keep offering. We keep offering. Why? Because God's name wants to be great in this house. A great name. I can't go there yet. I won't do that. I won't do that because it'll take me too long. So check this out. So they, the Lord said, I need to give you some correction. And please understand, when God brings judgment in the Old Testament, please understand this. You got to read it differently with different eyes. Whenever God brings judgment to the people of God, it's not condemnation. Whenever God brings judgment, it's correction. It is discipline. Whenever God brings correction or judgment, it's discipline. Why? Because God wants to make his name great among us. Wherever you are not like Jesus, his name won't be great. Wherever your relationships are not like Jesus, his name is, not, is defamed. Wherever your lifestyle is not like Christ, you are defaming the name. Because your purpose is to make his name great. You were born to make God's name great. We come together to do what we do, the little that we do do. What we do, we do it because we want his name to be That's the only reason why anybody else ought to want to come to be in this midst is because God's name is great there. You start talking about God and what God did for you and what, how God has brought change in your life and how God has turned everything that was upside down, right side up. When you start talking about how, how opportunities that were dead, you, uh, gone, finished, no way it could happen, God would resurrect those things. For Why? Because his name is to be great. My question, how great is God's name in your life? My question, how great is his name in your relationship? My question to you, how great is his name where you work? Are you still breathing? So keep this in mind, write it down. Whenever God, whenever God brings correction, it's because he wants to bring discipline. God's judgment on his people is never condemnation. Jesus has already risen from the dead. God doesn't have to pour out wrath upon you because he already did on Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, <laughs> wipe your forehead because you know some, some of y'all know what you deserve, right? Why are you not consumed? He said, I change not, therefore you are not consumed. Why are you not consumed? Because God has already punished Jesus. Say it with me. Almost there. Check it out. So judgment must begin at the household of faith. That's what the New Testament says. Judgment must begin at the household of faith. Say it. So when, when, the Bible says, when the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God, at the household of faith, what he's saying is he's not talking about condemnation. He's not talking about fire and brimstone. He's not talking about hell. Are you all there? But if judgment is correction. I must, because if judgment begins with the world, the world would be no more because there's no blood over them. To, Lord have mercy. There's no blood that they are receiving of Christ that would thwart God's judgment or God's punishment. 
So when judgment comes to God's people, God wants to judge us first. Look at your neighbor. God judges us first. Ah, uh, you don't want to say it. Yeah, it's true anyways. God judges us first so that we could impress the world. Almost. So check it out. When God brings correction, he does so so that, you, we, so that we become more like Christ. The word, the sword, is there to cut off everything that's not like him. What God wants is a people that's like him. He wants, he wants a, a, a folk, a, a, a nation. He calls us a royal nation. As Israel was considered a nation among the nations to attract the nations around them, but they, they failed because his name was no longer great among them because of the way they lived and what they did. My, my, you know, our neighbors, we, I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody's kids. They knew your mama and your daddy. And when you cut up, you're making your family name look bad. And because we were in relationship, they're going to whoop your tail from one side of the block all the way down. Who that? Boy, that, that Walters boy, what, what you do at pat, pat, you know what I mean? And, and when your parents weren't mad, And when nobody, when nobody calling child protective services and child abuse, and they didn't, they did not whoop you. They did not whip you with nothing. You very rarely they ever use their hand. They go get something or make you go get something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody who grew up in a in a in a generation that got your behind blistered, and and, and when you went to school you wouldn't dare show nobody your blisters? <laughs> talking about. She abused me. No, no, no. No, that wasn't going to happen. Why would they do that? Because of the name. I know your daddy. I never forget. Ain't you Walter's boy? Yes, sir. I, I know your daddy. And what he's saying, I know your daddy would not approve of what you're doing right here. So when God brings... When God brings his judgment, it's always, are you there? It's always correction so that we become more like. Are you there? So when, when you see Malachi, God is doing this serious adjustment. And before I, so I'll just give you one and I'm going to quit. Say, he's going to quit. Less than five minutes. Say it. Say it. <laughs> Write this down. Sometimes in our giving. By the way, God, he starts correcting them because their offerings are, not, are subpar. They, are, they don't come up to his standard. Because he gave some instruction how they were to honor him and worship him so his name would be great. So, so they... they uh, <laughs> He, he, let me give an illustration. Say you're a farmer and you've got a hundred sheep, but one of the sheep in this hundred is blind, crippled, sick. That could be deaf. By the way, those are the three things that are described in the scripture. And the Lord said to them, you know, you're going to bring, you're going to bring, and off, you got a hundred healthy sheep, you're going to bring the one that's blind, crippled. You know, you're going to bring that. He can't see. And you're going to bring that sheep and offer it to me. Wait, wait, guys. Almost done. I want you to see this. It's verse, it's chapter 1, verse 14. He said, but cursed be the swindler who has made a male in his flock and made a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I'm I'm a great, I am a great king. 
says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. Are you there, saints? And, and he goes on and he, he says, you're going to bring a lamb, you're going to bring a lamb that's blind? Hundred sheep. You go, which, which one you going to offer to God? Well, I'm going to offer the one, you know, this, he can't see well. He, 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 he don't walk real straight. And he's sick. Then he says, try offering that to your politician. Oh, you didn't believe, you don't believe it? You don't believe it? Go to the scripture. I didn't believe it either. I said, oh my God. Seriously, did he say that? Really, Bishop, did he say that? Verse what? Verse what? In what chapter? He said, you're presenting me, uh, he said, you are presenting defiled food for my altar. And he says, how have we defiled you? So, well, in that you say, the table of the Lord is despised. Nobody cares about this. And verse 80 says, but when you present the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Would he receive you? I said, Lord, no, you didn't. Play it louder, man. Play it now. They can drown me out. They won't hear what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say. Can you all believe it? This way God was talking to his people. He said, you're going to give me the one. No, really, seriously, y'all. You're going to give me the one that's blind, crippled, and sick. See, what he's, what he's after is, what he's after is, in their hearts, in their hearts, his name was no longer great. Because every offering is a reflection of my heart. Are you all breathing? I cannot wait to tell you what I really want to tell you. I just can't tell you today. So here's what I want to, that's what I'm going to stop with today. Oh my God, he's going to stop? Yeah. What I, want, what I want to stop with is this. When the Lord writes to Malachi, Malachi, when he writes to them, he is bringing correction because he wants his name to be great. Because his name is great. It's just not great among them. And you know what? He can't bless them because the way he blesses them is by honoring what they present to him. And he blesses them in such a way that all the other nations are going, man! Forgive me for just a, an ounce. If I, if I say to you, some of you have not gotten this principle because maybe you didn't get it in school, but one of the reasons why these United States of America is such a great nation is because of the past offerings, the past offerings of our forefathers and what they gave God and where they put God first. And God protected us and increased us and magnified us. Because we were committed to him and his purpose. We gave monies to send the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And then we, and then we got happy. We got fat. We got comfortable. We no longer really, we just kind of went through the motions. So God says to Israel, he says, uh, you know, among you, my name. I'm the one. And, and sometimes you'll see him do this in the Old Testament. I bought you up out of the house of Egypt. I bought you out of slavery. Oh, yeah. Are you there? And, and I, I, he said, he said, first I saved you from famine. And I planted you in the best land. And you grew up 40 years. Now you forgot me. And, and, and next, now that now the, the king changes, the pharaoh changes, and now you're in slavery, and now you cry out for 400 years, and I heard you, and I bought you out. When I bought you out, 
I didn't bring you out to kill you or to to slay you. I brought you out so I could bring you into this land that I prepared for you where I told you I'm going to give you houses and I'm going to give you lands. I'm going to give you what you didn't build. I'm going to increase you. I'm going to make my name great among you because you're my people. You're my people. And he instituted this system where they could constantly come and say, Lord, you are great, and your mercy endures forever. And they, and they did that out of their life, out of their earnings. Their, the offering, the incense, the whole worship was about what I am offering you because of who you are. And so he says, and this is my first and my, and my final ending, he says, he said, you gonna offer me Blind? Wow. I want you to bow your heads and talk to the Lord for just a little bit. It's not like God needs your stuff. (laughs) You need your stuff. But God, in order for him to be to you, who he says he is. We remind ourselves. I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna tell you in a, in, a, in, a, in a few weeks, I'm gonna tell you about that book, a book written about you that do this right, a book that's written with your name in it about those that do what I'm talking about, that do it right, and what God does as a, a result of your name being in that book. Because the people of God, we, it's time to wake up and smell the coffee. It's not, it, listen, he's, you, you, the fact that you offer me this blind, lame sheep is a picture of what you think I am. And, may, and, and ladies and gentlemen, please understand, those of you online, get this, please. When, when the Bible starts talking about giving and offerings, it's not just the substance of what you offer. It is your life. As your head is bowed, I'm asking you a question. What are you withholding from God? What have you forgotten about him? What are you holding against God? Whatever it is, He's not guilty. He's risen from the dead. I I want you to change your mind about this. Because God's after a people who live this way. The name of this is the power of giving all. The power of giving all. God must think it's important because he takes a whole book to address it. And so I'm gonna, I, want to, I want you to live with that as your head is bowed today. And maybe you could reconsider before the Lord the complete offering of yourself, your life, owning nothing. Maybe you could consider that everything that I have, every blessing with which I've been blessed is to make his name great. Wait, wait, it's bigger than that. When his name is great, the nations get attracted to you. He said, I'm just one person. Yeah, but you have no idea what those who are of other nations who are watching you or what God wants to bring into your influence. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you today for through the years you have made this a house of worship. You've made this a house of giving, a house of sacrifice. And Lord, we are, we are regathering together and we are reconsidering our ways. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for holding you suspicion, suspicious of anything negative. Forgive us, Lord, of thinking of ourselves first before we remember you. 
Lord, would you help us to prepare us this season for the greatest year of our life? It's your hand that brought us through this awful disease and this awful pandemic. And we enter into this year fasting and praying, reconsidering our ways, rethinking what we own, what we don't. I'm asking, Father, that you would make your name great again in this house. Make it so great that they can't help but flock to your presence. Make the light so bright they see it far and wide, every echelon, every mountain, they see it. And I thank you, Lord, for hearts that are repentive, that change because of this. Let the power of giving all come to every person. Let there not be one feeble one among them, not one. Let your blessing rest on those who say, yes, Lord, no more blind, lame, and sick worship, service, or offering. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.